Welcome to Harper Academic Calling. I'm Michael Finan, Marketing Assistant with Harper Academic. Our podcast is designed to give educators, students, as well as every reader, a behind-the-scenes chat with a range of our authors, from well-loved favorites to up-and-coming debut writers, about their books. Harper Academic calling Jeffrey Salingo. Jeffrey's latest book, There is Life After College, is based on years of research and extensive conversations with college graduates. He talks about the different types of graduates he's met and how the ways they applied themselves in college had a direct impact on how they spent the majority of their 20s. I got the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with Jeffrey at the First Year Experience Annual Conference in Atlanta to talk about his book as well as some of the strategies that students, parents, and educators can implement to ensure that, yes, there is life after college. All right. So, Jeffrey Slingo, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Excellent. Um, So, in your book, you talk about these three categories. There are the sprinters, the wanderers, and the stragglers. Could you explain what each of those are? Yes. We did this uh, national survey uh, of people in their mid to late 20s, and we really wanted to know what did they do in those previous 10 years that got them to where they are uh, today, because we know that many young adults are struggling to launch. Many are moving back home with mom and dad, you know, the boomerang uh, generation. And we found that um, today's young adults launch in one of three ways. They're either sprinters, meaning they jump right into either a job or graduate or professional school afterwards. Doesn't mean they move fast necessarily, but they move with with determination. Uh, the middle group are the wanderers. Uh, they basically, students who wander through college tend to wander after college, meaning if they switched majors a lot, they didn't quite know why they were there. In some cases, maybe they dropped out for a little bit. Uh, and then they tend to wander through their, their mid until their mid-20s, moving from job to job, in many cases, holding jobs that don't even require a college degree. And the final group are the stragglers, those who take most of their 20s uh, to get going. Usually it's the 30th birthday kind of staring them in the face that get them going. Uh, the thing about the stragglers is we found out many of them had college credit, but no degree, no credential to, to show for it. So they started college. In many cases, they transferred colleges, but they ended up getting no degree. And we found that two thirds of young adults fall into those latter two categories. They're either, they're either wanderers or they're stragglers. Okay. So now what are some ways that um, students themselves, their parents, and these students, teachers, and administrators, um, what can they all do to sort of work together to ensure that these students become sprinters? Right. So, well, first of all, there's nothing wrong with being a wanderer or straggler. I think you have to kind of recognize that and understand what you have to do to kind of get back on the on-ramp. So just want to say that up front. But in terms of how to get more sprinters coming out of college, first of all, I think more students, parents, counselors, and college officials need to understand why students are going to college to begin with. I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of getting off the sprint to college from high school and figuring out maybe I should take a couple months off or a year off, or maybe I should start at a community college until I figure out what I want to do. Because again, people are much more likely to become wanderers if, they're, if they go to college having no idea why they're there or what they want to do there. And they end up wandering around campus, you know, moving from major to major, course to course, until they kind of figure it out. And by that time, it's too late to get what is critically important, and that is the internship experiences what we call experiential learning. And it does not just internships, but it's undergraduate research and other types of work, hands-on work experience that is so critical 
in the job market today. I mean, really the aha moment for me in the book was the fact that many more organizations, companies, nonprofit groups, the government are hiring students from their intern pools, not going and recruiting on campus second semester senior year. So you need to, to become a sprinter. You really need to have those hands-on learning experiences, you know, starting essentially the first year of college. So do you think in terms of internships, is it more about gaining the experience itself or is it the networking or is it kind of a combination? It's kind of a combination of both. I mean, I think internships, for example, help students understand what they like to do and even more importantly, what they don't like to do. I mean, I met many students who thought they had a career track, thought they had a major that they've always wanted to do since middle school. And then suddenly they did an internship in that field and they said, I kind of hated it. Right. And they decided to go back and, and switch majors. So I think interns Internships are good not only about the experience that you're going to get, but it also builds your network to help you find a job afterwards. So you talked about um, students who maybe take a year off before college, um, you know, go away from that traditional sort of linear high school, straight to college, straight to job path. Um, Are there other ways that you would recommend students maybe straying off of that path in ways that could work for them? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, taking time off while you're in college. Uh, and especially, again, if you're not quite sure why you're there, uh, going to get a work experience or going on a, on a gap year experience, which you know is mostly popular uh, before college, starting at a community college, many students now, 40% of college students start at a community college and end up transferring to a four-year college. At a community college, you could try out courses at a much lower price point to try to figure out what you, uh, what you want to do. And then there's also a number of new kind of educational providers outside of traditional higher ed. You know, there's all these boot camps uh, such as General Assembly and Galvanize and other places that kind of teach real world skills. Uh, there's a lot of online courses, including free courses from Coursera and edX. Um, so there's other types of educational experiences that can be had beyond the traditional four year campus experience. Hmm. So in the book, you talk a lot about um, you know, different factors that make up these sprinters, wanderers, and stragglers. And you know, a lot of it has to do with their drive, you know, going into college, taking advantage of opportunities. Um, but one of the things you mentioned is um, a lot of the stragglers and wanderers tend to be students who have taken on a lot of yep. debt, which unfortunately for a lot of students is something kind you of have to do, right? Exactly. Yeah. If, even if they have that drive, even if they're doing all yep. the right things, they can still have a lot of debt going out of college. So what would you say for those students who have that drive and the debt's the main thing? Are there, is there any, you know, anything you would recommend for them to sort of get onto that sprinter? Well, the, the key is not to let that, first of all, the key is to try to reduce that debt as much as possible mm-hmm. during your undergraduate years, right? And I don't think many of those students have to take on that debt. There's no doubt about it. Many students, though, take on excessive debt when they really don't need to. And they're making those decisions at the age of 18, 19, not realizing the consequences of that when they're and not really understanding that you know, and not really understanding the consequences of it. Right. Um, so the key though is, are those first jobs after college? I think what ends up happening is that students who are deep in debt end up making some bad career decisions based on that debt, right? They can't move to expensive cities for good jobs. Uh, they can't necessarily even wait for a job because they have to start paying down that debt. And it's, you have to be aware of the consequences of that debt. As long as you're aware of it and know, you know what, I'm going to take this job. It's going to be a struggle for, I might have to work two jobs, but this one job is really good for me. I think you have to understand what you need to do in order, um, in order to pay down that debt, but also to advance your career at the same time. 
So really going into it with this sense of awareness about the debt. Right, and not to just let the debt alone drive every decision. Mm -hmm. Because if you let that happen, what's going to happen is you're going to take a job just to have a job. And uh, and you'll say, well, I'll only do this for six months. Uh, Six months turns into a year. A year turns into two years. And suddenly now you're competing with two, three new years of of new college graduates. And now you're competing with them for a job. Mm -hmm. What would you say about um, students in terms of now? Because, you know, a lot, it's much more common these days for students to kind of jump around fields, uh, do lots of different jobs outside of college as opposed to picking one job and just staying on that career track. Do you think that's better? Do you think, you know... Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I quote a, uh, I I have a lengthy quote from a study in the book from an economist that shows that job hopping is, is more appropriate now than ever before. And why is that? Because there are so many occupations and fields today because of the global information economy that we live in it's impossible for anybody at the age of 18 20 or 22 to figure out what they really want to do and now some kids obviously know it and they know it going into college but part of the post-college experience is supposed to be about what this economist calls occupation shopping right it's it's moving from job to job six months to a year to two years um, to try to decide what you want to do and where your skills are most uh, most useful. And, you know, adults from previous generations usually look down upon that. They usually tell you, oh, you're not supposed to job shop like that. Mm-hmm. But actually today, it's actually better for your career. And students who do that, they, these economists found 10, 20 years down the road, actually end up doing better because of that occupational job shopping they did. So now, what do you think differentiates these graduates who are job hopping, you know, essentially wandering between jobs from the people who are actually wandering through college and not sure what they want to do. So I think the difference is, is that they are shopping through, first of all, they have already graduated from college, right? Um, And they are moving through jobs in hopes of landing either the right occupation or the right position. There's a difference between kind of wandering with a plan and wandering Mm -hmm. without a plan. And and I think that's the difference between the wanderers and the, uh, those who are kind of trying to figure out exactly what they want to do. Absolutely. Um, Jumping back to students in college, how would you um, say that teachers, administrators, parents should handle students who start college and it's clear for whatever reason that they're not thriving in their first year? Um, I actually think, and, and you know, in most college officials now, it's all about retention, right? It's all about holding on to those students and, and getting them to graduate. I actually don't think there's anything wrong with taking time off. Um, and the research shows that as long as you take time off and it's not excessive time off, meaning it's not more than a year, you are more than likely to actually end up getting your degree. So if you take time off and taking time off doesn't mean just moving home and sleeping in your childhood bedroom and not and working at McDonald's, for example. But if you take time off and you say, well, I'm going to take maybe one course uh, at the local community college, I'm going to get a job that might be uh, that actually might be useful to me uh, down the road. Um, and I'm going to continue my studies in some way, some ways and try to figure out what I want to do, then I think you're still going to be on the pathway to a, to a college degree. But to just sit in college and continue to wander around, meanwhile, while you're racking up debt and paying more tuition, I don't think is necessarily a good idea. Now, again, a lot of college officials will disagree with that because there's been a big focus on keeping students in school. But I don't think the having a student who's a bad fit at an institution is necessarily the best is best for them in, in the long run. So you'd say it's better for these students to essentially drop out for a year, 
gain some kind of real world experience and then hop back in. And then hop back in. And by the way, you might hop back in at a different institution, mm-hmm. right? That's a better fit for you. Uh, and I, but that they think the key is that if you take time off, it's probably a misnomer in terms of time off mm-hmm. because you, you need to continue to be investing in your human capital during that time, meaning continuing to take some courses, maybe even on free online courses, right? Working in some capacity. You mm-hmm. want to show forward progress. So time off, but you're staying yes. on. Yeah, exactly. All right. Fantastic. Uh, so Jeffrey, one final question that we like to ask all of our guests on our podcast. Who was your favorite teacher? Wow, my favorite teacher. Uh, well, um, uh, if my dad's listening to this, my, I, my dad taught me in high school for four years. So, uh, he's definitely my favorite by, by far. But, but probably um, it was um, a 10th grade English teacher who really turned me on to my love of writing um, and in many ways uh, matured me as a writer and taught me how to write. Uh, really focused on the fundamentals uh, of, of writing and how to tell a good story and character development um, and narrative writing. Uh, all of this was in, in 10th grade. And, and at that point, you know, I, I enjoyed writing. I, I thought I wanted to become a journalist at that point. But, but she really kind of turned me on uh, uh, to writing in, in, in 10th grade and, and helped me blossom. Fantastic. All right. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much. Thank you. It was great to be here. Excellent. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harper Academic Calling. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite third-party app for more episodes. And be sure to visit us at harperacademic.com for more information about this and other great books.